Hello. Hello. Good afternoon, Dan. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. good. Tuesday is the new Monday. Yeah, this week it is. I don't like that either. Oh, I get so thrown off. Woof, woof. First of all, our Saturday really felt like Sunday. Yeah. And then our, our Sunday kind of kind of felt like Sunday, but then our Monday also felt like Sunday. Too many Sundays. Too many Sundays. Yeah, it was fun. It's been a crazy weekend. Well, I know, and I know you're also gearing up for our live uh, coverage from the floor mm. of the event tomorrow at, uh, at Apple. Yeah, I'm, Apple I'm reporting event. live from the floor, wherever that's happening yeah. right now. It's a, it's a warm... <laughs> Oh, you're there. You're there now. You're already there. Oh yeah, you yeah, yeah, got my clipboard right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm reporting from the floor. Uh, things were, are being announced, and uh, there's a video. Uh, customer sat. Uh, <laughs> Max or not? No. Mm. No. It's gonna be exciting. Should be exciting. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm not not a. I don't follow the Apple speculation game like I used to, but I uh, just from a like a criminology standpoint i think it's an interesting time more so than usual how so well not that i disagree with you i'm just curious no 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 well i think uh, i mean it's, it's i was just listening to the talk show and you know like everybody uh people are talking a lot about like what's going to happen with the headphone jack and i i think stuff like that is usually very close to excruciating to talk about because you know we'll eventually find out like soon, but that one is very interesting. Uh, getting rid of the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack and just going all lightning is super interesting in lots of ways because it's exactly the kind of Apple thing that Apple would do. And it has seemingly huge ramifications no matter what. So I think when things like that come along and the rumor mill seems pretty confident that that's going to happen, I think that is actually interesting to talk about and think about. Uh, and then obviously the other big one, and we could talk about this if you want. I'm, I'm fine to talk about this. Sure. I'll talk about things. <laughs> is uh, the kind of uh, radio silence on Macs in general. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's for, for people like us in, in the little bubble, and in particular for people like me who hear about these topics many, many, many times a week on podcasts and mm-hmm. end up reading about it on Twitter. It's uh, it's a little bit like the election where like I read something yesterday that was really startling where somebody said, well, you know, Labor Day marks the beginning of when most people start paying attention to the elections. And I was like, can that be right. true that this possible? year? I don't know. I don't even have cable TV. And I not only am just there's an onslaught of information about this election. And I don't know how you can I don't know how you can be incurious about the election this year. I mean, you could certainly be fatigued. I think we're all a little fatigued, but I, I don't know how you could be like, oh, that's right. This is an election year. I don't, I'm, that's reductive, but you know what I mean? I absolutely do. And for I think there's a lot of people out there who normally they just wait and they're like, oh, I'm just you know, voting across party lines or whatever it is. But this year is so different and so weird and it's been so crazy. And the two candidates that are there are so polarizing. I just like I, I feel like you can't turn on the news or, or, or read Twitter or Facebook or anything without being inundated by mm-hmm. it. So I don't know how people could be possibly not, you're forced to, and I think it's a good thing. People should be paying attention to it, but it's shocking to me. I think I read the same thing you were talking about. I'm like, wow, really? Well, yeah. And I guess I'm not, I'm only 
unintentionally making a point about my own opinions about politics and who I'd like to see win and not win. That's really only tangential. I mean, more like, well, if you're on Twitter and you're on Facebook and you're doing all the things that (laughs) online people do, Mm -hmm. I don't know how you would avoid it. But if you don't, it seems like it would be even more so. Like if you mostly just watch even broadcast TV, it seems like it's just everywhere. Anyway, It it is absolutely everywhere. We probably shouldn't talk about politics, but uh, I just mean, so like you take that same sort of pattern and look at the Apple technology world and wow, there's a lot of grenades rolling around right now. And it's, it's super interesting. You know, the, the Mac thing is ponderous to me, which, and I, I have to think there's something coming, but do you want to talk about uh, Apple? Yeah, I would like to, especially, I mean, the the deficit of Macs is interesting to me. It's more interesting, you know, from... From the standpoint of the whole headphone thing, I'm I'm one of these people who I don't really I don't really care uh, about about it, but I care more in the sense of this will be a, a a big step in a different direction for electronics in in general. Well, yeah, maybe that's an angle. It's an angle that we've talked about a few times in the past that. Uh, if we're going to go nerdy, let's go super nerdy. Right. And I think I, I, there's one, one topic about Apple that I rarely get sick of talking about when you get into the criminology. And this is, this is the one thing I do find absolutely fascinating, which is, uh, you know, the basic kind of engineering ish question, which is, well, you know, people say, Oh, I want a thinner iPhone or I want a longer battery. Well, no, any change that comes along with any device or service or anything, um, usually represents some kind of a trade-off. It represents some kind of, uh, you know, there's a variety of things that go into it that are, there's more axes and vectors to this than poof, your right. phone is thin. Right. There are many, many consequences and knock-on effects for consumers, for Apple, and for the whole world of technology. When you're talking about a, uh, a device like the iPhone that so many people buy, that becomes a... I don't know. That be, that becomes a, a game changer in some ways. Gruber was just talking about how like sometimes you still go into a hotel and if they, you know, maybe what, five, eight years ago, six years ago, they installed like an iHome or something that still has the 30 sure. pin yes. jack on it. Yes. More and more now they'll maybe just at least put like a female, like a USB so you can just roll your own without needing a, an adapter. But I guess what I think is interesting and I, I'd love to talk about is, you know, the way that all these pieces fit together, even just in the Apple world, are fascinating. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who's running, I'm running iOS 10 on all my devices, but I haven't, and, I, and I, I've got it on my watch, but I'm not running Sierra. So for example, like there's the new thing with the watch where I don't quite understand this, but apparently you can use your Apple watch in proximity to unlock your Mac. Right. Well, think about that stack of, of interactions where it isn't just a matter of getting this thing on your watch. It isn't just a matter of updating the software on your phone you have to now also be running um, that, you know, beta of the operating system for that to work. So, I mean, like, I guess two, two angles on this that I think are both interesting. One is like, you know, as this world is more and more entangled, we've talked a lot in the past, or I talked to you and Dalrymple about this, is like, what, are your, what is your primary Apple device? What is your perhaps secondary Apple device? And then if you have more than two, which a lot of us do, like, how do you make those choices? How do you integrate that stuff? And then, so there's all that kind of, as an Apple user stuff, I think that's fascinating and what it means. But then also just looking at the industry, like, 
is this going to be another floppy drive situation where in two years we're like, wow, I can't believe we still needed that in 1998. You know what I mean? Probably. So, I mean, uh, even I mean, I, there's a lot of stuff that's maybe, you know, not for me, but I'll, I'll tell you, I said, I was saying somewhat obliquely, it's been an interesting or busy weekend. Oh my God, it's been an insane effing weekend at our house. There's, uh, we did a lot of fun stuff. My daughter got her ears pierced. Uh, we, uh, we had the carpets cleaned. Uh, well, lots, lots of exciting things. Uh, uh, lots of things broke this weekend. <laughs> lot things like broke yesterday. The carpet cleaner guy, I don't want to go too inside baseball. Carpet cleaner guy did a pretty crappy job. And yesterday morning, our house started smelling like mold. Ooh. It was like, oh God, he did not really dry the carpeting. And mm. I know what happens when you get wet carpeting in house. You got to deal with that. So yeah. that's what I, that was my night last night was collapsing on that. <sighs> and I have a life hack on how to deal with that. That seems to be working. Okay. Other thing was we were out at a, uh, the Sausalito Art Festival yesterday. Ooh. And, uh, you know, we're riding on the ferry and, and drinking some water. And um, I'm not pointing fingers, but somebody put a bottle of water in my wife's purse that didn't really have the cap on it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so not pointing fingers. No. But I mean, uh somebody's uh iPhone six oh no S plus is now in a bag of jasmine rice. <laughs> now by the way, what works a little better is that silica gel. It's in my Amazon cart right now. Okay. <laughs> if a frog had wings, he wouldn't bump his ass a hopping. <laughs> now I'm going to buy some of this. And, and, you know, and the thing is, she, she feels so bad. She loves this phone and she was really thrilled. She knew it was kind of expensive. Um, and I was like, and I want her to have the, like a nice phone. She's, she's a, a big lady with an executive job. Like, sure. you know, uh, she's not big. But, but she's you know, a big in, in the sense of import, important. Sh- she's, she's a wheel. Yeah. And she should have an executive lady phone. And she feels bad because she dropped it in the screen, got a crack. And she felt so bad uh, about that. And then yesterday she was like, oh, I feel terrible. I was like, you know, it's okay. You know, this, this happens. But uh, so that happened. And so now uh, my wife's phone is in rice. Uh, I plugged in my Edemotics. I was just thinking the other day how crazy it is that I've had the same pair of Edemotics since February. And that's got to be the longest I've ever had a pair of these headphones that they didn't die, break, unravel, whatever. And I was yeah, still kind of talking about them. Oh my God. You don't even want to know how many of these I bought, but they're really, I really, really like them. And I really, really use them. I plug them in this morning and I hear a little, and which happens, you know, sometimes you get like a little pop yeah. when it's kind of equalizing to how to do the volume for your iPhone to your headphones. And I'm pretty sure they're dead. So my wife's got a dead iPhone two days before the new one's announced. Right. This is, this is the way the there universe works, There could be a worse time. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's actually all right. I guess, yeah. But this is this is how silly I am. I, I immediately panicked and ran to Amazon and ordered another pair of these headphones because I like them so much. And yeah. I was like, oh, what are you? You're not thinking. <laughs> you're not thinking. You think maybe you want to wait? It didn't, I mean, I'm not trying to be clever here. I'm being the opposite of clever. It did not even occur to me that headphones are not a good investment. Yeah. Literally 24 hours before they probably will announce a phone that doesn't have a headphone jack. But um, I don't know. And, and, you know, and like you and I, we have our strong preferences about these things. But I mean, I think it'd be interesting to talk about our preferences, but also talk about like, you know, I don't know this in some ways this does key in also to our update series where, mm-hmm. you know, it's, 
unimaginable to me the kind of stuff with devices. We've talked a lot about devices and services, but like, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot has changed. Uh, a lot has changed. A lot, a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have you. <laughs> well, one thing that I was reading right before the show started is I read uh, that the iPhone 6S is currently the world's most popular smartphone. So it's in both the U.S. and worldwide. The iPhone SE is number three in the U.S. You're kidding. No, this just came that out. That seems beyond impossible. It's, this is what uh, they're maybe, saying. Maybe, well, okay. Well, yeah, all right. According, so maybe, according to Strategy Analytics and Kantar, Kantar. Is it the iPhone... But the thing is, is it the iPhone family of products as against a given model of Samsung? Because I see a lot of Samsung on the streets. Yeah, I do too. Uh, what they say is that the, the 6S accounted for 4.2% of global smartphone sales. The iPhone 6 is second place at 2.5. Samsung Galaxy S7 at 2.4. But that's a big lead for the 6S, according to this data. That's bananas. Yeah, and 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 the now the, here's the, here's the thing about the iPhone SE, and I think yeah. uh, I think this is interesting. That, that's the one you have right now. Yes, the mm-hmm. profile buyers are younger, and they tend to have an income under fifty k. That makes sense. Uh, they say it was expected to attract a relatively younger buyer with a lower income base. Forty two percent of SE customers cited quote getting a good deal on the price of the phone unquote as the main influencer to purchase. That is life. That is so normal. That's mm-hmm. how most smart people, that's how most people do. I mean, that, that totally makes sense. I think about any, almost any other thing, unless you're like a John Syracuse type. I mean, you know, it's like Homer Simpson taking Marge out to dinner and saying, bring me a bottle of your second cheapest champagne. <laughs> I often buy the second cheapest of whatever. Yeah. If it's not something that's super critical. I mean, I'll invest in something like a kitchen knife or, you know, there's some kinds of things where I want to buy the nicest one. But I, I think that's completely understood. There's a reason that, you know, Walmart and Target do as well as they do, you know? Yeah. Huh. That is, that is really interesting, though. But you think about um, that. And so when people say, oh, who cares if Apple takes the headphone jack off? Well, that, did I just say that? Uh, the, you know, it, it is going to have a big effect because it, Apple is making the top one, two, three, maybe, you know, phones that are being made at mm-hmm. least in the U.S., if not in the whole world. So, yeah, what they do, a little thing like that is not such a little thing at all. Well, it's, it's, it's not little in, in any way, and that, I guess that gets us to the, to the thrust of this, which is that, you know, when, when Apple coughs, you know, America catches a cold. <laughs> also Hillary Clinton, am I right? <laughs> yeah. God, I wish that hadn't happened. Oh, my God. I wish that hadn't happened. Oh, um. But no, you're absolutely right. Because I mean, this is, this goes down and, you know, I'm just thinking out loud here, but you think about a lot of people have headphones. They like, okay, I'm always, I'm always, what, what's funny? What? Just, you reminded me of that video on the press conference and everything. Hacking Hillary. Oh man. I'll put it in the show. Right, Bart. She reached for some medication. Oh, God. Why <laughs> could you just not have coughed? Oh, my uh, God. This is going to be the story now. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I'm somewhere between uh, shocked and amazed at how many people use the, the uh, earbuds. 
that come with the iPhone. I use those all the time. Well, I mean, and if I'm doing, I, I still, I'm old fashioned. I use phone, you know, the phone aspect of the iPhone and I, I will, I will make phone calls and I will use the earbuds that come with it to do that. Well, uh, and not, I will frequently I, use them to listen to podcasts too. If, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, like, I, why I is that weird though? I must've said something really quizzical there, Dan. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is maybe it's just that my wife and I have comically small ears, but I find them very uncomfortable. And, and B, they're supposed to be uncomfortable. That's why they're good. <laughs> ah. No, I don't. You're in, I, you're in a silly mood. Today. I am silly today. Uh, I don't know. I'm looking. I'm holding a, some right here. I, just, I, don't, I, I use headphones. I spend so much of my day with headphones. And one of the reason I like these particular Edemotics is they have the three button control. Yeah. And uh, which I love and use. And just, it's, you know, it's gotten to be muscle memory. It's like Quicksilver for my uh, Overcast. Um, but the other thing is that, yeah, it's got the built-in microphone and nobody likes talking to somebody who's using the microphone on their headphones, but these are pretty good. The, the microphone on the, on the Edemotics is pretty good. And, you know, and, uh, or, you know, like, so like with the Edemotics or with the Bluetooth ones you recommended or you, you liked, mm -hmm. uh, those, the, God, the, the Bluetooth ones came with what, like six, maybe six or more different kinds yeah. of, what do you call those? Uh, tips ear, ear, to put on? Yeah, ear tips, the things that, that fit into your ear. And I tried a few of them and I wound up using the very, very smallest ones that they that they included. Well, my, my, my family with its comically small ear holes, she, my, my lady wanted to try those uh, for running and uh, she couldn't get them all the way in. But anyway, uh, but you know. Even on the smallest? Yeah, I think so. I you don't know how pull, she You're going to pull your ear a little. I'll she, come out there. I'll, I'll pull on her ear a little. Will you do? Will you I... do a uh, white glove install on my wife? <laughs> of course. I mean, I've been <laughs> waiting for waiting for oh, you. By to the way, I, forgot, I forgot to tell you this just in passing. Uh, uh, they went to uh, so my daughter got her ears pierced, uh, got her hair cut. Uh, uh, they went by the Cost Plus to pick up Halloween decorations, and guess what they got me? What? A fancy new bell. A new bell. I was going to say it does sound a little different. Uh, here's the here's the old one. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Completely different. Wow. Mm. Now, what do is they that, like a, is that a fifth? Do they harmonize or are they? I, you know what? I, I can't. I can't sight read this. But oh, that's oh, listen that. Oh my god, it's getting zen in here, like chocolate. I guess what I'm saying is, <laughs> uh, I, 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 they're they're very uncomfortable to me. I keep them around as a backup, the the headphones, but. Uh, that, that's telling to me. That's another one of these echo chamber, small world things where like, I just assumed that everybody who uses headphones a lot has found ones they like, you know, and use. But I guess, I guess what's, what's the point of this is that if it is true that most people are okay with the headphones that come with the phone or the device, I wonder if that's telling about how, how acceptable it'll be when it comes along with a different kind of, uh, Connectivity dinkus. I don't. I don't. I don't know. And this gets. This is again something they were talk, that uh, John and Renee were talking about on the talk show today. And I'm only an hour one of that. But uh, you know, what, what's going to come with what? Are you going to get when you buy this? What's going to come with it? But to get back to your point, though, yeah, I mean, this is the, the knock-on effect of that is is potentially huge because what does that mean for all the peripherals and, and headphone companies? Is this Apple's warning shot? I mean, because I guess the conventional wisdom is that when this Fancy 10th anniversary iPhone comes out. It's going to be really, really wild and different and have all kinds of different things about it. And I guess the smart money at this point is saying, introduce 
the rem- well, deintroduce, <laughs> remove the headphone jack now so that that doesn't become the headline a year from now. Have yeah. you heard that? Yeah, I have heard that. And that's, that's a, a really interesting tactic. And it seems like that is absolutely the kind of thing that Apple would do is let this new phone that we're coming out with, it's not that different from the 6 series. It's a little different, but the big difference is that, and everyone will react, oh my God, they changed the thing. They took the thing away, whatever. And then it's like you just said, it's like a year from now or whenever the the new one comes out. You know what? It's a non-issue now. People have already accepted that. They already know what it's going to be. It will allow them to focus on the good new things that, that they bring. I think it makes a lot of sense to do it. I think that's a very important strategy. Yeah. Equally smart, I think, is this apparent strategy of uh, strategic leaks over the sleepy summer months yeah. where people can start getting their pre-outrage out even before the, the main release of outrage. But like Gruber was saying, like he was out and just talking to a civilian in the world and they found out he does stuff related to Apple. And the first thing was, wow, do you think Apple's really, this is not even like a tech nerd. They're like, do you, do you really think Apple's going to remove the headphone jack? You know, not angry or anything, but just really curious. But um Here's the thing with Apple is, you know, we, I, so we are certainly all to all free to disagree with what Apple does and the directions that they take. And, you know, we all have our reasons for feeling one way or another or not at all about that. But I think one thing that is pretty consistent and predictable is they do think this stuff through mm-hmm. and they're not doing it for capricious reasons. It may not be for noble reasons. It may be because Tim Cook is, he's not a product guy. He's a supply chain guy. And, you know, maybe Apple under Tim has a, you know, a different way of thinking about that, but it's not, they're not going to just do this to do it. And I think they rarely do it just to make it cheaper. And if they do do it to make it cheaper, they try to seem to find some way to use it as a springboard to something we don't even know is going to happen for one to five years. And to me, that's the most fascinating part of the Kremlinology. And that's why this, this day, this particular day today is, is most interesting because we will learn a lot about, we will see a little kind of, um, not a shadow. We will see some indication of what Apple plans to do in the next one to five years tomorrow. And today, I I honestly can't tell you what that's going to be. And that's fascinating because they, everything that they do, is, I think, very well thought out. They have their reasons, even if they do not share them with us. But they had a reason for putting out that MacBook the way that they did. They had a reason for putting that keyboard on there, for having that one port. So as we sit here today, it's like, well, is this about fewer ports? Is this about wireless? Is this about cost? Is this about thinness? Or is it about something that's very difficult for us to see right now? Because, you know, it's we're all thinking about how is this going to change the thing that we use a lot and like a lot? How does this, based on our expectations, I walk around all day with wired headphones in my ear. Right. It's, I can speculate about how, I mean, I think I'll be fine. I don't, I don't think I'm going to lose a lot of sleep over it in either way, but it's definitely different from the way I've ever done it before. I, given that I broke my headphones or my headphones died this morning, <laughs> I popped on my, um, who makes these, these Bluetooth, you know, over ear headphones that I use to watch TV sometimes at night when I, you know, want to be quiet. And, uh, in walking to work, which is a very short walk, the connection drops probably seven times. Really? Yeah. It just, and I don't know if it was like, and I've got it connected to two devices, the TV and my phone. That is it. So once I was out of the house, like, I don't know what would cause that, but it did, it dropped a lot. I mean, 
I I think Bluetooth works like for example my Jambox is pretty dependable. Um but you know Bluetooth is is pretty weird and pretty it feels hacky. It really does. But you know so, just to your previous comment Apple is playing a very very long game here and we yeah, we don't see it the way that Apple sees it. They're not they're not concerned really. I mean of course they're concerned but in the bigger picture, they're not so concerned with how many units are we going to sell right now this quarter. Of course, they're concerned as a business, yes, but they understand that there is a bigger picture here and that they're looking not at the quarter level, they're looking at the year level or the, the five-year uh, level when it comes to products like this. And that for them, it's if they want to get people on board with the concept of one cable, one port, for example, they know that they will need to create some kind of sacrificial lamb in order to do that. And so that that will be the MacBook. They'll make that and people will have a problem with it and then they'll make it a little bit better and people won't have as much of a problem with it. And then they'll have just one port or one kind of port on the next machine and people will already be used to that. And the sacrifice, the change has already been made and they've they've already dealt with any negativity about that with that sacrificial product that's now in right. in, in in history. And the new one, people no longer think, well, this has that same stupid port. I mean, yeah, people might say that if they, they were to to come out with just USB-C ports on a new MacBook of some kind, people would still say that. But they've already said, look, that this is what's where we're going with this. And there's going to be more changes like this coming out next. So like the next iPhone, maybe it won't have a home button. But they're not going to get rid of the home button and the headphones all at the same time. They can't do that. So even if they maybe were able to get rid of the home button now, they, they're putting that off. They're doing it in stages because they understand how the mind works. There's a wonderful novel called Childhood's End. Have you ever heard of this? Oh, I feel like I have. I, oh, yeah, may, yeah. I think you've talked about this. Yeah, Tell me about I it. I was going to say, I think we've talked about it before. Uh, it's a science fiction novel by Arthur C. Clarke. It was written... I think in the... 1953. Okay, well, sure. And uh, it, it it was... It, it still, I think, holds up very, very well as a, a wonderful sci-fi novel. Um, and it... I'm, I'm reminded of it by this new movie that's coming out. Is it called Arrival? Um, mm. with, uh, with Lois Lane in it. Oh, cool. Um, I didn't know that. It looks... Arrival. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Uh, it yeah. looks very good. And, oh wow! Look at that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll see if I can get that in show notes. But I'm reminded of because there's some there seem to be some similarities there. But in the story of childhood's end, um, all of a sudden, uh, it's a it's a regular day on Earth, and then all of a sudden there are these huge, uh, re- really, really, really vast alien motherships, essentially that come and and sort of arrive on earth they're as big as a city you know huge 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 things that uh, appear over all the major cities and they immediately like negate all nuclear weapons and everything else and it's like okay th- this is real this is happening but before they uh, and they have some communications with the people of earth 
and make it clear that they are benevolent and, and all of that, but they understand that they can't reveal themselves right away. They can't, that, that just the shock of this arrival of these, these ships is enough to pretty much completely screw up everything on Earth for a long time. And they actually wait 50 years before they choose to reveal themselves to the people of Earth and to really start communicating in a, in a very direct way with the people of Earth. Because by then, you have a whole generation of people, maybe even two generations of people, depending. Uh, but you've got at least a generation of people who were essentially born into uh, a world where these ships have always been there. And it might be exciting to see who's in the ships, but... They've always been there. They're a part of our world now, just the ships that are there and the alien beings that are there. They're, so that when the, the reveal happens and that next stage of evolution for humanity happens of real contact with alien beings, it's it's an obvious next step. And I feel like that's very much what Apple is is doing here in that sense of there's a lot more that they're holding back. There's a lot more that they will do and need to do. They know it. But they need to guide us through that process so that our uh, so that we begin to yearn for the things that they want to give us. It begins to make sense to us. And finally, when that big reveal happens, it's something that we say, ah, of course, or yes, that's the right thing, as opposed to, whoa, too different, too much, too soon. Mm hmm. So I, yeah. I'm reminded of that from this this movie. Yeah, that's 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 a good way to put it. And I think there are these sort of public, there are these very famous public, uh, public things that Apple does that are that represent a line in the sand. Uh, again, the iMac not having a floppy drive, mm-hmm. um, potentially the iPhone not having a uh, taking off the headphone jack. What was the other one? Uh, not too long ago. Um, but yeah, I mean these these things come along. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Obviously, the uh, the MacBook having the one port, where and you know even setting aside, let's set aside for a minute all of our our feelings about that and when it happens. So those are the, those are the kinds of public things where they say, okay, it's time. You know, this is something we can't keep to ourselves. This is like this for reasons. And um, but there's the other the other thing that they do, and I, I would love for you to help me think of some other examples. But the the, the classic of our contemporary time is the iPad Air two. The iPad Air two comes out, and it is beyond capable. It's you fire that thing up and start using it. It was what two years, almost two years ago now, and uh, that thing comes out, and it is just a it's a powerhouse. Yeah. And it's got all this space and it's got, why does it have all of this RAM? Why does it have, I don't remember all the exact specs, but at the time that it came out, it was like, this is crazy. This this is like so essentially overpowered. You know, is this so you can convince power users to upgrade from their iPad 2? Like what, why would you do this? And as you know, it soon became clear because when what, iOS 8 came out? Mm -hmm. Whenever you could do stuff like the... uh, split view and things like that. I suddenly go, Oh, well that makes sense. They were, that was, but that wasn't, that wasn't a public salvo to say, Hey, look at how we're changing things here. That was the kind of thing where making that change did not necessarily tell us anything about what was going to happen. I mean, you could guess, I suppose, but I think most of us were pretty surprised to go like, Oh, okay. Now that makes sense. I mean, are there other examples of that where, you know, they, they introduced something and again, I, you know, I'm the wrong person to even talk about this because I, I don't know from tech with this stuff. But I think but, that's really the best one. And I still have my uh, Air 2. 
They're dynamite. It's absolutely dynamite. The thing's two years old, and it's still, it's just, it's so rocking. And see, that's the, but that was also the mistake that Apple made in a way, because like, I don't care. I'm not going to upgrade. I'm happy with it. It's, it's my main thing, and I, I love using it, and true color or true tone or whatever it's called is, isn't enough to convince me to upgrade to it. No, and, yeah, 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 you know? yeah, yeah. No, no, I get that. I get Separate that. Topic, I guess, but. Yeah, but I'm, I guess I just to uh, overly highlight this one thing, it's that, you know, so now we can, when we go back, you know, sort of historically, we can sort of trace some lines and say like, okay, now we, we sort of see where they're heading with this. With the iMac, they were making a statement of saying, you know, this is, this is what, what this new Apple is going to look like as a company. You're going to have this, this, this kind of device. We're almost, we're almost showing off with what we can do here with this very interesting case. It's, you know, transparent. Uh, yeah, you know what? It's got this thing called USB on it, whatever that is. And because I don't remember having a USB device before that. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't even, I was still running adapters to be able to use like my keyboard. Like I was using a serial port adapter for years. <laughs> yeah. And you know what's funny is that, and I forget who made it, but Belkin or somebody, but you know what's funny is of course then within months, not even a year, suddenly everything looks like an iMac in terms of like quoting, usually with not as much class, quoting the style, the design components. You start seeing those little horizontal lines on things. You start seeing this available in five different colors, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that's, that's I, you know, got to be one of the big examples of how they, they started to really change the industry at a time when people, Apple was, there was still not any certainty that Apple was going to be a going concern. But that came along and given to believe it was a fairly successful computer. But, you know, uh, would you have had, could you have had the iPad without, uh, I guess, FireWire and then initially FireWire and then USB? Like, who, who knows behind the scenes, like what they were even, I mean, I, I guess I'm just saying like that, that now when you look back, you go, oh, obviously you had to have this in place before you could get that in place to put that in place. And that makes sense now. When right, you right, right. And when you when you think about the reactions that people have when Apple says, oh, you know, you're getting rid of FireWire. You come out with this FireWire 800. What's that crap? I don't want to have to move to that. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. They're getting rid of FireWire altogether and they're using this other thing. The fact is that Apple, Apple doesn't care. Like they really, really don't care. They're going to use whatever port makes the most sense at that time. And then they'll use the next one and then maybe they invent one. And they'll use, they don't care about your peripherals. And it's the same thing with headphones. They don't care. The fact mm-hmm. that they're supposed to put a little adapter in there uh, to make it compatible with three and a half uh, millimeter, uh, that's, that's nice. But, but it, they, all, it, all points, it all points clearly over time. You start seeing this very clear pattern of Apple being um, very um, courageous, very forceful about basically saying, uh, yeah, these are the devices that we make and this is how we not only want you to use them. This is how, yeah, sure, this is how we think you'll use them, but this is how you need to use them. That is, that is still very chilling sometimes. Like to this day, like there's still lots of things I'd rather do on Ethernet than um, over Wi-Fi. And it's frustrating to me that that's, you know, not, not an option in many cases. I, I, I've seen some of the octopus monstrosities that people use yeah. with their MacBook to try and do, you know, live blogging or something right, like that. Right. And certainly there will be, if, if indeed this doesn't have that Jack, which we will know in 24 hours, uh, 
that's going to be a weird transition period. But I guess the, the part that, um, I want to hear about something you like, but that to me is the, if we're going to speculate and, and be those dingalings, I think that's the interesting thing to speculate about is like, if the following things happen, what does that tell us about where things are going? Clearly, I'll just give you a few examples. It's clear that Apple, to me, it, to me it is clear that over the past few years, Apple is, in the, is interested in having you need fewer wires cords, cables, whatever you want to call it, for sure. things. So you can go to like, like I did, you can go to OWC, like you can buy, I have a dock. I think it's called a dock, but it's basically like a giant series of adapters for things. So it's got, you know what I mean? This is a, the single purpose of this is to take my, what is that, Thunderbolt, and then like turn that into many things. So I can attach a variety of different things to this and this omnivorous box that accepts many different kinds of things. But to me, that's pretty clear. I mean, you know, they, they, they really don't want you to be fiddling with cables. They increasingly don't, if something can be wireless, they seem to want it to be wireless. You right. can configure many devices without hooking it up to something. In many cases, you don't even have to. And, you know, forgive us for being olds, but let's walk through this little death march. You no longer need to do stuff through iTunes to make your phone work. You don't need to, you know, all that is done through the air. So that's clearly a pattern, right? If you look back, what, at five, six years ago, I don't think that was patently obvious that no that's where things were going. And now that definitely seems like a pattern. So maybe if you tell me about something you like, you know, maybe let's talk about like, well, what if, if things go this certain way, what is that telling us about, about what, how Apple expects you to use their stuff? Right. And in any case, what in the heck is going on with the computers? Because all of this stuff <laughs> gets made on Apple computers. Like what, what is going on with the Mac Pro? What is going on? I'm the Mac Mini. I guess that's the ultimate redheaded stepchild. But I think those are interesting questions to ask. I, I agree, and it's funny because it, it segues perfectly into our sponsor, Eero, uh, who's oh, brother. Yeah. Oh my God, you you kidding me? No, that's the one. Ooh, Zen <laughs> <laughs> like chocolate. Wow. Well, they uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, mm-hmm. They specialize in trying to fix something that's broken, and basically, you talking about Eero? Eero. How do you spell that, Dan? E E R O. Eero.com, two E's. Double E R O. And you, you basically uh, you basically look at the world of Wi Fi and you say, you know, it, the, the whole way that we think of Wi Fi is kind of a, a broken concept. We have one box that sits wherever you're lucky enough to have your, you know, your cable box installed by the cable company in your house, which is usually not. The room that you want it in. It's usually not the centermost point of your house. So what happens? You get crappy reception in different areas of the house. You get a device with a relatively pretty bad, pretty, pretty geeky, technical kind of a user interface. It's impossible to admin unless you get like an Apple one, which is fine, but maybe it doesn't have all the features that you want and you're still stuck in that paradigm of one box that's supposed to supply Wi-Fi signal to your whole house and maybe your backyard too. And it generally doesn't work. We have so much bandwidth coming into our homes right now, especially people who are lucky enough to have fiber, files to their house, people who are, uh, who are, who are you know, have cable modems 300 down, but you're not getting that. Why? Because the Wi-Fi signal it, it kind of sucks. It's one this, little this box. This is something in the my friend, my friend Mike, has summed up really well. Like, imagine if in different parts of your house the electricity was more or less reliable. 
how strange would it be that like, oh no, I, I can't run the vacuum in that room right. because the signal's not strong enough. It, that sounds silly, but it's, it's really true. And, and most of us, in many cases, you maybe live in an old house, you're living in a spread out house. Outhouse? Hmm. <laughs> you, you, you get wireless in your outhouse. They can just run with that. And this really, this really solves that in like 15 minutes. That's the other thing about it is it's super easy to set up. Uh, you basically have the, the little Eero box and you, you get multiple. I mean, I think they recommend at least, uh, you can do just one, but if you get two or three, depending on how big your house is or where the, the, uh, the speeds aren't as good, you plug one of these in and, and it creates its own little distributed system. This is what like offices have had for years, but it's been really expensive and it's been really hard to set up. Now, this is super easy. You get this enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your home. You you plug it in. You get the app on your iOS or your Android device. It walks you through this setup, which is kind of fun. I, we talked about it the last time we did this spot. There, They have uh, a, an incredibly easy-to-use app. And you configure it and you set it up in just a couple seconds and then it's done. And they've come out with update after update for this. I mean, this is this is a product that they are uh, very much on top of releasing and improving and uh, and coming out with new features. And all the updates and everything happen automatically and they happen uh, in the middle of the night so you don't have to like worry about it. It's really, really great. And it, it, it makes it, like you know that you have this living product it's not just something that like oh maybe in seven months they'll fix this problem they're fixing it all fixing everything and improving it adding features you can do all the basic stuff like create a a guest network you can do see how many devices are connected at any given point and you're doing this all right on the little app so if you're wondering like oh how fast is it right now it's right there on the app it shows you uh it's it's wonderful. And, you know, the people have asked me after they heard the spot the last one we did, like, well, I have a range extender. Well, no, like that doesn't really do the, the same thing. An extender, it'll stretch your signal in, in one hop, but you can't like have multiple ones of those in a row like you can with Eero. So if you've got more than one dead spot, that range extender isn't really going to help you. And the range well, it's extenders- like, it's like, a, it's like having a, a area rug rather than wall to wall carpeting. <laughs> I like that. And uh, plus range extenders, you also have to make separate little networks for them. So you're trying to switch and your device has to switch. Anyway, if you're wondering how many of these things you need, they they recommend one for every like thousand square feet. So for most houses, you're covered with two or three, but a three is a really good starting point. And uh, and they're so confident in this. Uh, there's a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you find that you only, let's say you get three and you only need two, you can return one of them if you if you don't need it. Anyway, uh, it's getting really great reviews. You can get this at uh, at eero dot com e e r o dot com. They will give you free overnight shipping, and uh, you need to use the code back to work one word back to work to make that free. So I would I would actually go there and order it. I know you can get them on Amazon too, but. Uh, this is uh, this is a pretty good deal. It's e e r o eero dot com, and the code to support the show is back to work. Uh, go check it out. You get a one year warranty. It'll work with your existing modem, your existing internet service. You can't go wrong. So go try them out. Thanks very much to eero eero dot com. Double e r o. Remember those Amco commercials? Yes. Double a m c o. Hmm, that's the thing I remember. I'm looking for I'm looking for an old one. Yeah, they're on, the they got them on the YouTube. Yeah. Random access memories. The wait for an appointment commercial. Monk monk. Um 
you know, I have become a big fan, like many people across the world, I've become a really big fan of uh, the videos of CGP Grey. CGP Grey goes and he explains things in these very amusing, fast-paced uh, videos. Uh, and we watch a lot of them at the house. Sometimes it's our, you know, kind of winding down at the end of the day, like last TV show has been watched and, you know, it's time for baths and so we'll maybe watch a couple, three of these. I want to recommend two of these videos because um, they, uh, his, his videos, he basically often will take a very, very complex topic and give you, uh, give you a, a gloss of an understanding about it. Or he, if nothing else, I guess I feel like his videos show you how complicated something is that you didn't know was complicated. So the, 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 the don't miss of, of all of his videos, I guess, is the British Isles Explained. It's his most famous video. I think it's his first video. But it's, it's, it's so good because you realize how bananas the idea is. Like, what is the UK? What is England? What, are the, what is the Commonwealth? Like, what are all these different things? Is Northern Ireland, Ireland different from regular Ireland? And he does these Venn diagrams. Anyway, CGP Grey, great videos. Two that uh, I think are super interesting uh, and very much worth a watch. There's one, one of his longer ones that I think is quite good. And these are in show notes. It's called Humans Need Not Applaud. And it is uh, a really, really good video uh, just talking about, you know, AI is here. Like robots are here. Like this is, and he, he will explain this way better than I can. But like one of my favorite things he says in that is that, you know, in the early 20th century, if, you know, if horses were having a conversation together, the horses would probably say to each other, wow, you know, our life has gotten a lot better with this increase in technology. You know, we don't have to work in a field anymore. Right. We get a nice cushy job in town. One has to imagine that the life of the horse will greatly improve in the future as more and more technology comes along because that's that was the precedent at that point. That totally made sense. But, you know, history is not made for horses. And uh, in fact, history is not made for humans. And he makes a really interesting case for like basically uh, sober, not like a booga booga, but like in so, it's somewhat booga booga, but a way of saying like, don't be so sure that anybody's job is secure such as it is. Now, is that a terrible thing? I don't know, but it's a thing. Like, I guess we can be sad about that and have rallies. We could be the Luddites who are going to go and like destroy the mechanical looms or whatever. But I found it very interesting and very sobering. My wife who works with doctors, with physicians, thought it was super interesting because they talk about stuff like the, the sort of hive mind that a robo doctor has. Like if you're trying to diagnose something, imagine getting real-time input from like all over the entire globe. You could see something like Zika coming in a way that you would never have before. You, you know what I mean? Anytime you attack something with that hive mind, you get a, an orders of magnitude difference in how you approach a problem. So that's the first video, Humans Do Not Apply. Once you've watched that, one of his very latest videos, uh, this is actually just from the end of August, is called The Simple Solution to Traffic. Have you seen this video? I have seen this one. Oh, cool. Um, and, you know, he, he God, what, the animation in this, thing, in this thing is great. But it's essentially, I mean, so think of it this way. He, he, he really nicely illustrates that uh, phenomenon of like, let's say you're fifth in line for the light, right? You're, you're at a red light. You're the fifth car. It turns green. The first person starts driving. The second person starts driving. The third person starts driving. But they're all starting at different speeds and with different amounts of attention. And like, it's not unusual for you to go like, oh my God, how did I not make that light? Right. You know, well, if all of those cars were equidistant and started moving, forgive me if this is things you already know. I found this fascinating. If all of those cars were equidistant and started moving at exactly the same speed, many, many, many more cars would get through that light. But we can't because as he says, it's monkeys behind the wheel. So again, kind of coming off of the human, and I'm going somewhere with this, coming off the humans need not apply part of this. Um, 
you know, the, the thing is, uh, and he says this in the, in the video, like, is it, when we think about cars as being these, you know, moving machines driven by people, well, like what, what if that's not the way it's going? <laughs> what if, what if like we are the vestigial driver in this thing that probably at, at its earliest opportunity, we should be replaced the 40,000 people who die in automobile accidents right. every year, mainly because of human error. But the point that he makes in this, which I think about constantly, even before I saw this, I still think about this constantly. The idea of self-driving cars seems nutty because we're humans and we're smart. We're at the top of, the, of every food chain, including the intellectual and mechanical one. We know stuff about stuff. How could you ever come up with a driver that's better than a human? That's certainly an entirely natural thing to think because you've never been in a, in a self-driving car. If you've never done VR, VR seems stupid. There's all kinds of things where we go like, I can't even imagine how that would be. But the the facts are clear. Uh, it seems that, you know what, we're actually, we are not as good as we think at this. And it may be somewhat surprising how quickly we see improvements in, in the way a lot of things work with something like self-driving cars. That by itself, it's hard to accept because we go, that's weird. I don't see myself buying a self-driving car. Well, maybe it won't be you. Maybe it'll be a delivery truck. Maybe it'll be an Amazon thing. Maybe, you know, maybe it'll be, uh, who knows? It could be, who knows what that's going to be. But here's the other part of this that, I hope makes you as interested in this as I am. We see that as, oh, you're trying to change my car. That's weird. I've always driven a car. I'm a car person. I like carring. And that's totally natural. But here's the thing. If there's one driverless car, however you want to use the term, if there's one of those on the road, that's kind of interesting. If half of the cars on the road are like that, that's super interesting. But as he points out in this video, what happens when every single one of these cars can be talking to each other? I know we've talked about this before, but the illustration of what an intersection looks like when it's only self-driving cars yeah. may change. First of all, you're going to be scared because you're like, there's no way that is safe. Well, it's absolutely safe because all the cars know where all the other cars are and they can react to that giant amount of information massively faster and more safely than we can. So where am I going with this? We feel that as cars are something I understand Taking me out of the equation of driving seems weird, foreign, dangerous, and threatening. But what we may not be looking at, because we hit that resistance to that concept and go, oh, booga booga, self-driving cars seem weird and bad. But like, what if we broaden that to understanding that this, the self-driving cars that we see in today are the infancy of this thing. And then what happens when all of these like, imagine you had a train. I know this sounds crazy, but imagine you had a train that didn't have a single locomotive. Like, a, part of what makes a train valuable is there's one or two locomotives that push or pull the entire thing. You don't need to have a driver in every car of that train, and right. that's part of what makes that efficient. Right. There was probably a time when the union said, wait, well, it would be way better if we had a driver in every one of those. <laughs> but it doesn't make any sense, because that's the whole value proposition of a freaking train. Right. So, that thinking about these things well yeah and 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 it's like you said like we we're also subject to our own concepts and limitations in that if you said oh there's all these cars in an intersection one person can you make the best decision can you know everything you need to know a person say no there's no way i would want to do that or certainly not at every intersection that i'm in but computers are good at that Mm -hmm. and you know, but but because we don't think of it that way, in the same way that most of the people that I know, regular people, not not geeks like us, but regular people, don't don't really use Bluetooth headphones. They don't use them. They don't use them because they figure like, well, that's I don't know how that would work, or I don't know, I don't want to have to worry about setting that up, or uh, that's 
too many steps. I'm busy. My kids are hungry. I need to get dinner going. You know, that little things like that, that for us are kind of like interesting and kind of neat. And like, how, how will we make this work? For a lot of people, they're just like, ah, I don't care about it too much. So when you think about this, like the, the delivery vehicle point is a big one. And that's the one that I've heard over and over. And I think that's definitely how we'll see that kind of penetration into self-driving vehicles in that, you know, we, we will, the, the kinds of driving that's the least amount of fun will, will happen first delivery trucks driving things around and maybe some public transportation. You know, I remember uh, when I first went to Disney, when I was a very little boy, seven years old, I was surprised to learn that the monorails had people driving them. I thought, why did they need to have a person in there? That's it's on a track. So it can't like go off the track, right? It goes and stops at the precise places uh, on a certain schedule. And like the doors seem to close on open on their own. There's not like a person standing outside opening and closing them. What's the point of the person at all? Well, there is an operator. We needed an operator, but that's just a concept that we have. We have this concept that a car needs an operator, but people are the ones who are going to slow this process down, right? Like people and and our resistance to like like the way you said, you know, like you're trying to change my car. You're trying to take my car away and the thing that I like about it. Yeah, cars cars are here to make a horse's life easier. Right. Like, don't cut me out of this. Right, and you know uh, it's it's going to be very difficult because in the in the uh, humans need not apply video, uh, CGP Gray's video, he talks a lot about driverless cars and especially the impact that that's going to have on the transportation industry. Because I I forget the exact metric for this, but I think the transportation industry. It's not that it's unskilled, but in by one measure, it is far and away the largest employer in the United States. If you think about, you know, not just Uber drivers, but, you know, everybody involved in transportation, it's a huge part of our economy, meaning this is how people get paid, right? And I'm thinking here, I'm looking at Wikipedia. Um, yeah, Upton Sinclair said this, it's difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends upon his not understanding it. <laughs> so I am not by any means trying to put anybody out of work, but I do know that we all have our reasons. So, you know, in my case, you know, er, you know, it's fine to be on wireless until you need to restore a Mac. And when you need to restore a Mac, or like you got a new Mac, right? And you want to do the, uh, the connection, Dealey Bob? Right. What's that called? What's that called? Where, the, uh, where you hook, hook them together and you can restore from another Mac? Oh, um, Migration Assistant. Migration Assistant, which is great and works so well. But, oh, brother, the difference between doing that, in my experience, between doing that on Ethernet versus even on fast Wi-Fi, yeah. the difference is quite dramatic. You, you know, when you're trying to restore a computer, you're trying to restore an iPad, you're trying to do something that involves moving a huge amount of data that you've mostly been dealing with incrementally over the years, that can't get done fast enough. And it's a total white knuckle the entire time that you're doing that. But like, what if that's the exception to the rule? Like, what if most people aren't doing that enough to require that we build this jack into every computer? Well, Apple's ahead of us on that one. They're saying, you know what? You ain't going to need it. But, you know, I have my reasons. You know, <laughs> I mean, when, when they figure out how to have a, a, a dithering, self-interrupting uh, podcaster bot, I mean, I'll, I'll be out of work just like anybody else would be. Right. But I think you're onto something, though, which is like, you know, and this is this is if there's any like overriding, like back of my mind theme in the past year well, or so, it's it's just what if I took myself out of it? Like well, if I take myself out of these situations, let's do that, though, because I want to ask you a question. Why? Why are people resistant? And I was one of them for a long time. Why do you think people are resistant to this kind of thing? Like, 
if like, like, take, like you mean you whether mean it's like, bluetooth or self-driving cars either one why are people resistant i know that people are inherently resistant to change of some kind of all kinds but that aside why why is it bad i i it's a good question and i think we all have lots of good reasons i mean part of it might be a kind of I don't know if it's a thinking error, but I mean, let's just look at it this way. I mean, I think about how many times, first of all, God, where do you begin? You think about the number of times that you've gotten screwed over by a company. Mm -hmm. Like our friend John Roderick is still frustrated that he has to have lightning cables in his house. I paid for these, these, (laughs) these came with it. And now they're trying to attach an eel to me and I will not yield to this. (laughs) Yeah. Like John, like that thing is such a piece of junk. Like just buy a bunch. It's okay. Like that's, that's okay. It's going to be all right. So, I mean, there's one part of us is like, ah, uh-uh, you know, won't get fooled again. Don't try and like, oh, these companies are always trying to do this. You know, think about this, like uh, c- cable modems and point of sale devices are two that come straight to mind. I said this, I was at the pharmacy at Walgreens the other day, which is, I just spent all my time at Walgreens, as you know. And I said to the guy, I was like, I was using, um, I was using Apple Pay, which works flawlessly, except when it just doesn't. But in any case, I, th- th- at this one point, all I had to do was enter in my, my phone number to get my, you know, Walgreens rewards. And it, it wasn't working. Did I put in the wrong number? I'm not sure. And I said to the guy, I said, I, I swear to God, I feel like they deliberately make these things worse every year. I'm not even talking about the chip and pin nonsense. I mean, <laughs> Joanna Stearns wrote a wonderful piece about like how, what a mess the rollout of the chip, the chip and pin system has been. Where it's, if it works well, it makes a giant alarming beeping sound at you if it works. Most places in here in San Francisco, there's most of them you see, there's a post note on there. It says, uh, you know, chip doesn't work. Right. You know, or has tape over it. But so why am I saying that? Because, you know, or like cable modem, Comcast suddenly sends me this new modem. That's like the size of, of a child's waiting pool. I'm like, what is this? This thing will not fit anywhere. This thing is like 14 inches high and like a foot deep. I saw one on Mr. Robot a couple weeks ago. I was like, ha ha. I remember when they tried to make me use that thing. Right. And I think, you know, I got my, I got my, uh, my reckons. I think one of the things is that, I mean, the surfboards have always worked great for me. I think one thing is they want you to use that because then they can do the whole sharing the internet thing that they do. You know, Comcast does that thing where you can like, I think it allows them to do lots of stuff that's beneficial to them. So I think we are all understandably skeptical um, to cynical about companies saying, oh, here's the thing we're changing. Because, you know, it almost never gets better, right? I mean, just stuff in general, it just gets cheaper and cheaper. You bought a board game for your kid lately? Oh my God. It's, <laughs> I mean, the board games of my youth were not very well made, but the stuff they put out today, you're like, you've got to be kidding me. This is such garbage. I think we all tend to think that as time moves along, things get less reliable. Things get more expensive. And even if you're not a tinfoil hat type, I think most of us tend to think these companies are going to deliberately change these things to make money and because reasons. And I think that's all very reasonable. But I think the the more salient thing in some ways is just you, me, everybody else. It's like, this is not, this does not fit my paradigm. This does not match like when I used, when I learned to use a Mac, you had floppy disks and the mouse and you had 128K of RAM and we liked it. And yeah, that got better. But like you grew up, whatever computer you grew up with makes sense to you. You know, right. whatever automobile, if you grew up, think about baseball and cars. Like you grow up with like this cars are part of our family. This is what we do. We go on trips. We are a Pontiac family. Like you've got this whole emotional relationship <laughs> right, sure. to cars that, 
I mean, and it's nice. As with baseball, it's a, it's a, it gives people a warm feeling. That's a nice thing. That is a completely that is completely separate from any kind of rational look at like, okay, well, really look at what's happening here. And can we can we really decide that this is a terrible thing a priori? I mean, like we talked about, like I, I haven't done VR, but I hear people like it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not that interested in it yet, but it's probably because I haven't used it yet. And yet we all just write it off and go like, oh, that's stupid. Who's going to wear those goggles? You know, that's crazy. Who would want an automatic transmission in their car? They're, they're just trying to sell seatbelts. Seatbelts? Really? That's just another way for this nanny state to keep us from dying in a flaming wreck. I think, uh, I think we're resistant to change. Why do you think people are resistant? Well, I think being resistant to change explains probably the largest, largest reason. But I think because people tend to, they tend to think that this kind of thing will be, it will either be not as good or harder. You know, like we have a, uh, I was thinking this before, we've got a, I told you about that, uh, Bluetooth speaker that we have the shower one, the shower one that we've got one upstairs and we've got one downstairs that my kids keep on the table so that when they watch TV, they can, if they're sitting at the table, then they can still hear it without blasting the TV through the whole house. And I remember the other day, my uh, wife and I were, you know, instead of TV for some meals, which, you know, I mean, who would watch TV during a meal. It's oh, you, do, do people really do that? No one does that. <gasps> oh, that's shocking. No one does that. But <laughs> instead of doing something like that, you might want to play music. And so she's been playing music on her on her iPad. And I said, well, you know, like it's not a big deal. You, this little thing can actually pair with like three or four different devices. So you could you could just pair it, and then when you have your Bluetooth on, it'll just play through it. It'll know. It'll just know. And uh, she's like, well, that sounds like a lot of trouble. I don't want it bother with she's like you can set it up for me i'll do it but i don't like i don't want to bother with that and that's and that's not a knock against her that's human nature i think it's just i know it can do that but i don't i don't mess with like how to do that that's why uh, you made this joke a lot but i'll refer back to it that's why for so many years everybody's vcr was just flashing 12 all the time because Mm -hmm. you know what yes i could go and I could reset the thing and it'll take me a few minutes to do it. And it's a pain in the neck. And you know what? The next time the power goes out, it's just going to be flashing 12 again. So I might as well just leave it. And and that's kind of, I think, a part of this attitude is I know things are one way. I like them that way. And another part of it, I think, is is that feeling or that sense of control or not wanting to be out of control of things. Um, anybody who drives a stick in 2016 has has an issue with control. Um, you don't you don't need to drive a stick in 2016 unless you're like driving a truck or you're a professional race car driver on the regular road. There really isn't any advantage. There's no advantage except that you might you might like it better. Why? Because you're more in control of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there's nothing wrong with wanting to be in control of the vehicle, but. I, I don't, and I'm, this is not based on statistics or data that I've gathered. It's just, I drove a stick for many, many, many years. I learned on one and the first three, four cars that I had were a stick. And I was very hesitant to give up that control. Why yeah, is- but last year, last year was our first, was my, my wife and my first non-stick uh, car. What do you think of it? 
I hate driving. I hate cars. <laughs> but well, no, it's great. No, no, within no. Within that I mean, context. It's, well, it's, uh, no, I'm being silly, but it's, it's unbelievably different. It's so much better. I don't know what I was trying to prove. I don't know what we were thinking when we bought a standard transmission Volkswagen in the year 2000. Like, what were we thinking? Hey, they're fun. In they're San, fun. In San Francisco. But, yeah, it's crazy. Works on a hill. Like, you burn out your clutch just like trying I to get know. to work. It's bananas. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's an extra pedal. It's an extra thing to think about. It's an extra thing that, that has to be replaced or tuned up or tweaked or modified. It's it's uh, something that keeps one of your hands, you know, tied up in case you might, you know, need an emergency. I don't know. But uh, my point is, like, I think that's the attitude is like, you knew it, you knew it for a long time and you were hesitant to change something. Well, you know, we don't need that. We don't need, what do we need that for? We like this. And there is very much that sense of control being given up. And I feel like in the case of the self-driving car, if I were to tell you that like, no, really the self-driving car, it's, it is going to be safer. It really will be safer. Then the reaction you would have is the same one that I think I would have. And most people is like, yeah, well, you know, I doubt it. How you're going to tell me that a computer is going to be better at that. And, and that's kind of that feeling that I have. And then you look at the stuff that goes on with Tesla, people mm-hmm. misusing the autopilot, so-called autopilot feature and, uh, and, 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 you know, using it in a way that wasn't intended. And they say, look, that's a self-driving car. Look at all these accidents that are happening. Look at this happen, this happened. And people are so quick to sort of shake their heads and be like, yeah, that's not for me. You're never going to see a driving car in our lifetime. But mm-hmm. you know, my, my, I, I work with somebody who was born into a world where there was always Velcro. And I vividly remember <laughs> when there was no Velcro. I remember when my trapper keeper had a little snap on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I remember when Velcro was like, oh, this is, this is pretty neat. And now every, everything has Velcro on it. And, and you know what's funny about Velcro? Yes, you're absolutely right. Velcro was, was miraculous. I want to say in the late 70s, early 80s, that it got widely deployed. But here, here's another funny one about Velcro, though, is, you know, one of the knocks on Velcro is that it is kind of, is that people don't associate it with NASA. People associate it with laziness, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. my God, you bought your child velcro shoes shoes. and let's just do a a few of these wonderful logical leaps that people who aren't parents do god bless you um oh you bought your child velcro shoes how will they survive in the world if they don't learn how to tie their shoes right right and like it's like well okay you know first of all the kid's too little to tie their shoes right now Tying shoes is something you do later. Right now they need shoes. And you know what? He gets to be a big boy and put on his own shoes with Velcro. And he's not lazy. He's three. Okay, here's the other thing. Are you ready for this? Are you ready to have your mind blown? Here's the one shocking fact about uh, Velcro. You know what? You can have Velcro shoes and still learn how to tie your shoes. Isn't that mind boggling? They're not mutually exclusive. But from, again, it comes along and it seems weird. And you jump straight. We jump straight to these very emotional things i think partly because as we get older we're just looking for stuff that shows that things used to be better and we know lots of stuff i think that is such a natural thing but i mean isn't that kind of true i remember thinking that i remember thinking hey we got a wiener off these uh off these velcro shoes but the truth is you know the performance characteristic of shoes is it really about becoming i mean I, i guess you can make a case for saying that's an important developmental skill but like, what if you didn't need shoelaces? Does that blow your mind? <laughs> you know, what if that's the future? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's hard to know. But all we know is when something does come along, 
it feels dangerous. Can, can I add one more little little piece of uh, frosting to the cake? Yeah, go ahead, caller. This is, a, thank you, uh, first time uh, stover. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is something John uh, Sirkis and I talked about on an episode of Reconcilable Differences called Stove Vigilance, where uh, he talked me off the ledge about something that I, I, well, for that episode, he talked me off the ledge. But I'm always thinking of this Dead Kennedys song um, called Trust Your Mechanic. And it's it's based on this idea that, you know, it's, it's a silly punk rock song, but the notion is you take your car into the mechanic, the same person who fixes your car is the person who decides what's wrong with your car. If you knew how to fix your car, mm. you would fix it yourself. It'd be cheaper. You know, you'd do it right, et cetera. But you know what? Today, um, especially today, I wouldn't know how the first thing, I mean, I don't, I don't, it's all computers now. I don't know how to fix any of that. But sometimes you get this feeling of like, you know, like trust your mechanic, you know, one thing's fixed, another falls apart. You know, could it be that that mechanic is introducing problems as part of it? I think that's part of the concern too. It is. It really is. I hired a guy to come and fix the pilot life light on my stove and he broke my stove. Mm-hmm. We hired, wanted to have nice carpets, right? Once a year you get the carpets cleaned. We hired a professional man to come to our house because we like our carpets, but we'd like them to be even cleaner. And you know what he did? He made our house smell like garbage because he did a really crappy job on it. Yeah. And that's where I'm just like, ah. You know, you pay somebody to clean your house and they move everything. It's this way of like this existential note from God about how they think you should run your life. You're like, please stop putting that under the counter. I know this is a first world bitch, but anything that comes along like that, you're like in your head, this is the way this thing should work. And then when you bring in the pros from Dover, as they say in MASH, when you, when you bring in somebody with expertise and you entrust them, to deal with something that you don't and can't understand, there's always a little bit of suspicion. We don't notice when our iPhone works flawlessly. We notice when we get springboard crashes. We notice when it's prompting us for our password. We have no idea how many things are going successfully right. on our phone. Right. We only notice the things that break, and that's how it should be in some ways. But, I mean, maybe I'm just repeating myself, but isn't that part of it? Is you go like, I mean, like, for example, I mean, Sierra will come out and I'll wait a pretty good long time before I upgrade. I mean, yeah, I'm excited to have the watch feature, but I've learned my lesson, especially with OS X. I never run betas. I used to always run betas. Never do it now. Yeah, me too. But I think there is a feeling out there of hostility. I mean, you know, here's the thing. You get any piece of email in from, let's say, in your case, Time Warner. In my yeah. case, Comcast. I mean, how much stuff that you learn about from them or you see an update in an app and you, like, you see these, uh, and it's always, you know, there's always a smile on their face. And you're like, oh, the more there's a smile on your face, I know the more you're really screwing me with this change. You know? And I think that happens with, uh, with tech companies, too. Definitely. Hmm. hmm. We should, you had one more thing to tell me about that you I, like, right? I do. I would like we to. Should, you, I'm sorry. No. I wanted to tease. Tease it. Tease. Tease it. Tease. Tease. I just want to tease that in the time we have remaining after that, I think it would be interesting to now go straight to the mat and talk about what we know and don't know and what that means and doesn't mean. Okay, I love it. It's all I wanted to say about that. All right, good. Dan? Dan? Yes? Could you tell me about something that you like? I'll tell you about Squarespace. Squarespace! There are people right out there, Merlin, who have been <laughs> born in a world where Squarespace has been there their whole life. Every day, somebody's born who's never been born. Never before. Mm. Squarespace. Squarespace. Square, Squarespace is a wonderful, lovely utility that allows you to make 
a beautiful website. Website of any kind. You could create a, uh, a site that promotes your iOS app. You could create a website for you and your family for trips that you go on and uh, sharing of uh, beautiful galleries. You could create it for the work that you do as an independent contractor. You could create a blog. You can even host your podcast on it. It doesn't matter. The point is they've thought about all of it. They sat down one day, the bunch of them in this room, and they're like, listen, we're going to make this thing and it's going to let you make a thing. And that is, that is their company mission. That's what they do. And the sites that they create look professionally designed. You don't need skills. You just, you take about five minutes, you pick one of their beautiful templates, and then you customize it. You make it your own. And you can make a site, a single serving, you know, one of those single page websites like I did with Bacon Method. You can do like the MerlinM.com site. Both those Squarespace sites, it looked nothing like each other. A lot Roderick of the on the t- line. Roderick yeah, on the line. Roderick on the line. Mm-hmm. When we you were, go- the, the, the festival we were at up in Marin, where yeah. they sell a bunch of uh, fruity glass art, and uh, and uh, the Edgar Winter Group was there. It was a hell of Dan, I got to oh, tell wow. you about this someday. It was a hell of an event. Okay. I went to their website, and I was like, damn, son, this yeah. is a really nice website for a bunch of a bunch of hippies drinking white wine. Nice. Damn. And you know what? I got to the bottom, turns out, Squarespace. It does the thing like when you're scrolling, it moves past an image, and you're like, what is this wizardry? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's stuff those, that those hippies it, are making sites with Squarespace, and it's totally working out. That you see it a lot with uh, restaurants. Use it a lot. Anytime you Finally. go to a restaurant site, and you're like, "Wow, there isn't some obnoxious flash thing that doesn't play on my computer, but actually a menu and a location." And uh, and you can sell stuff with Squarespace. They've got built-in e-commerce, so that you can actually sell stuff. They've got a little shipping thing that'll compute how much it'll cost to, if you, if your items have a weight. You can put the items in and put in their weight, and it'll like figure out, okay, if you you send this with USPS, here's how much it's going to cost. And, and they do every, I mean, everything, it's all there. They've thought of everything and they have a special URL for when you want to sign up or when you want to refer it to your, your mom or your brother or your friend who needs a website or your client who needs a website that you want to roll out to them. Squarespace.com slash back to work, all one word. And when you decide to sign up, Take it out of uh, demo mode, essentially, as you're building your site. Use the code, it's your show, one word, it's your show, and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. We appreciate you. Thanks so much to Squarespace. Squarespace.com slash back to work. It's your show for 10% off. Thanks, Squarespace. Buck, buck. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I just, I want to talk about the the whole situation Mm. with the Apple computers. Yes, you there. One of the things that, I think is important for people to notice and to think about when they think about Apple. Apple is first and foremost an electronics company, not a computer company. They used to be called Apple Computers. Now they're called just Apple. And I remember at the time we talked about it when they changed the uh, when they changed their name, they dropped the computers part just to just to refer to themselves as Apple. I said there's a lot more behind the scenes, and that is their focus, their company's focus is very, very simply on making consumer electronics. And they're going to go where the money is. They're going to go where the audience is. And what Apple cares about is the iPhone. Everything else is secondary to the iPhone in their whole company. Yes, they still make computers. They still make iPads. They still do other cool things. They've got a neat little watch. 
It's the iPhone, though. They are an iPhone company. And if you look at them through that lens of being about the iPhone and everything else being supplementary to that, that's that's Apple in 2016. Now, what will Apple in 2020 or 21 look like? It, it might be kind of different. You certainly wouldn't, if if you'd gone back to 2006 and said, Pretty soon, Apple's not going to be a computer company. They're going to be about making a phone. People would have said, no, no way. And even if they do come out with a phone, that's not going to be their main thing. They're a computer company. One does not simply walk into the phone. No, market. you do not. But now that's, that's where we are. And yet, many of us, I would think most of us, and most of the people listening to this show right now, we like Macs as our computers. But... And most of us, I would think, probably have portable computers too. Not many of us have Mac Pros or Mac Minis on our desk. I mean, I still have a Mac Mini and I own a Mac Pro also. But my main machine that I use every day, my computer, is a MacBook Pro 13-inch Retina. And that's, you know, I've been holding, it's the very first one that ever came out and I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm very interested for them to come out with something new. But where is it? Where is the new Mac Pro? Where is the new Mac Mini? Where are any of these things? And what are they waiting for? Why aren't they just releasing something new? It's clear that with the iPhone, they're on this particular schedule, but they've never had a schedule for releasing computers. They've never had to stick to something in part. Yes, they are uh, beholden to the chip manufacturers to come right. out with, uh, with, with chips that they can use. And then once the chip is ready, they then have to start testing with it and building around that chip. So yeah, they're at the mercy of that where with the phones, not as much, not, not really. And where they're hung up on Intel, you got to get the, you get the, they get SkyMall. Right. And then you get Lake Pub. Yep. Yeah, and you, you want to get those right chips, and uh, they've been sitting on it for like a generation now, right? It's been far, far too long for them to have come out with something new, and it seems from all these rumors that are sort of swirling around what the new MacBook Pro might be like or might you know, might offer that, oh, there's going to be something interesting with uh, with the keys and there, there's a, a bar over it with a pretty uh, touch display built into it and you know, I think those things are great, but only a company like Apple would be content to just sit back and release nothing at all in that space for so long. Is mm -hmm. it because the interest isn't there? Is it because the money isn't there? And that what people really want is a super light 12-inch um, MacBook with one port in it? Is that is that what most people want? And they're saying, you know what, who cares? Uh, I don't know. It's it's puzzling, and we're not going to hear about it tomorrow from everything that I've heard and been told. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I would love to talk about that, but you know, it's, there's also an element of Occam's razor where, like, in the absence of information or computers, we have to formulate some story. Like, we have to come up with a reason why this is. And boy, there's just the thing is, as soon as you start doing that, and it's totally understandable. Like if you're suffering, like for example, my MacBook Air, which I got in November of 2010, it's really hurting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was so great for so long. And then in the last year, it's like an old dog. It's just rough. It's, uh, it's so slow. The battery is so bad. It's, uh, it's, it's a mess. If you're sitting on a computer, you've been, um, not cheap. You've been, um, parsimonious. You've been, uh, penny pinching. <laughs> you've been waiting to like not feel like a sucker by yeah. going out 
you know, that, that old classic Leo Laporte thing where Leo would always, <laughs> it seemed like Leo, when I was on Mac break, it yeah. seemed like it was every few months, Leo was going all in on some product and like, like literally the next week, sometimes the next day, right. they would announce a new one, which is a terrible feeling. My wife is, is, does not have her phone today. Because we're not going to just go out and just, I mean, two no, days, one no, day no. before it's announced. I mean, she doesn't even, she feels terrible about it. We, but you know, one time when my phone got stolen, when I was on vacation, I had to go uh, to a place near where we were on vacation and I had to suck it up and go in and buy a new iPhone one week before they were announcing the new iPhone. And I knew they were going to be announcing the new iPhone. Yeah. It's, it's mental. So, you know, but I, I want to get to your point. Um, it is funny how like we, we, we try to figure out why that is, except I feel again, maybe I'm being overconfident. I don't always agree with what Apple does and I don't always agree with the implicit reasons, but I do, do think they have their reasons. But what would those reasons be? What, and is it possible that there's something maybe we're just um, conflating two completely unrelated topics, but vis-a-vis our earlier topic, um, is it possible that this has something, they, they'll, they'll release it when they're damn good and ready because X and X being this thing that represents some kind of jumping off point to whatever the next thing is. Are they just being lazy? Did they just forget? Do they not want money? Are they deliberately trying to frustrate us? I don't know. I, yeah. I, I, I think there's probably a reason. Now, what do you think the reason is? Maybe even, you know what, well, let's do this. Let's, I mean, it's, it's the part about this that's so flustering. It's just like trying to analyze Donald Trump. It's like, there's so much bananas in this whole lack of com- computer story. Right. I mean, just, just soup to nuts. You go like, okay, well, a Mac mini, come on, pull the plug on grandma. Like either fix this thing up or like, what are you, what are you doing with this thing? People do want it, but I guess not enough people. Okay, fine. fine, fine, fine. Uh, you got the MacBook. Oh, they updated that a while ago. Yeah, all's well and good. You know, the Mac Pro, when was the last Mac Pro update? 2013 maybe like what's going on with that okay let's set all of those aside where in the hell are new macbook pros couldn't you possibly argue that maybe more obviously you want to look at what all's out there before you make a buying decision but i'm hearing the most frustration from people who are really really not just being nerds but for their job they really could use a new powerful apple laptop why do you think it's taken this long and we still haven't heard anything. That's the puzzling thing for me is I, I'm not 100% sure. I think certainly part of it is that whenever there is something that's significantly new in hardware, that the operating system needs to support that. Um, so if if they are doing something with a very unique sort of lighted touch OLED display across the top, if they feel that that's, you know, that's the future or they're doing other things that, that are changes in the hardware that maybe we don't understand or can't imagine yet, that we will need the underpinnings of a new operating system, not just an update, but a, but a full on new operating system. So that would imply that in order to release these new features, these new hardware features, that they would need a new operating system to come out at the same time or potentially ahead of that. Saying it, it might be software. I, I'm saying I think, I think a big part of it is potentially software and that they've known for a long time when they were going to have this new operating system coming out and that they've just had to push maybe, and you know what, maybe sometime along the way, they said, well, we could release another MacBook Pro with, you know, a faster CPU or whatever, better battery, but 
Should we put our efforts into that or should we make another computer? Because if you look at, again, if you look at how long people tend to keep their computers, and Apple knows this, they know how long people are keeping their computers and when they're getting new ones. People keep computers for way too long, in Apple's opinion, way too long. Very few people are getting a new computer every year. Or let alone, oh, yeah. you know what I'm sure. saying? Whereas mm. a lot of people are getting well, a new well, phone. They mostly do. Yeah. And, and I mean, like the thing everybody points out, I think correctly, is that, you know, how often do you, does the normal, even even a p- computer professional, how often do you run up against a limitation that's based on your your hardware? I mean, you yeah. know, increasingly, and especially with more and more stuff in the cloud, like you don't need as much of that. It's nice to have when you're doing, you know, deploying software and stuff. But, uh but that's, it's so weird. So you really think they won't say anything tomorrow I, or they won't I announce am, anything tomorrow? That is what I have heard from most people. Um, but think about this, the last MacBook Pro update, I'm talking about physical update of the hardware was in 2012. Is that true? That was the last major redesign of a MacBook Pro. Uh, they have they have done CPU bumps. They've improved battery life. They've done. I'm talking about like here's a new MacBook Pro, like new. This is a new thing. But if they're adding really cool things like an OLED touchscreen, they can scan your fingerprint with like Touch ID built in, and or or things like that. If the power button's integrated, if you know if, if there's this kind of thing, if they're going with um you know with uh, with like a whole bunch of USB-C ports, you know, uh, if they're really making these kinds of changes, then I think they would need to say, well, we need to get this new operating system out. It needs to come out first and then we can release our computers. I just don't think that that's going to happen. I can't think of another reason why they would have waited so long, but I I don't think this is going to happen tomorrow. I can't remember the last time that Apple announced uh, or if they ever did at an at what is essentially an iPhone event, they they've done iPhones and iPads together, I think. But I, would they do a computer at the same time? I just don't think that they would. The right. weird thing is, it it wouldn't make sense for them to not have an event around a computer that is as revolutionary as this thing better be. They're not just going to, oh, well, here's a new one. Here's a press release. Or, oh, we're just going to let a few uh, reporters, you know, and and bloggers and podcasters get a look at this thing. I don't think that's enough for something that is supposed to be a really big deal. When they come out with a whole new device, a whole new machine, rather, there's, there's, they're going to do that at a certain time. They didn't do it at WWDC like everyone said that that they wouldn't. And I think that was completely intentional also because mm-hmm. they're trying to say, you know what? WWDC isn't about product. It's about software and it's about our developers and their software. So let, let's bring it back to that. Let's not make it a media event anymore because this isn't where we want. We don't want journalists and press coming in poo-pooing the fact that there wasn't xyz released at this no it's about software now it's for developers who are writing software for ios and mac os so come come developers and let's talk about that it's not a media circus anymore it's not a place for hardware anymore let's forget about all that that's not what that is that's a smart way that's a smart way to put it It, yeah it has to be that way so then what that means is they would and for but for something for a speed bump they're not going to do an event 
for reduced pricing and better battery life, they're not going to do an event. But if they're coming out with a brand new thing that that has made that people have been waiting for for this long, there has to be an event around it. I will be absolutely shocked and and surprised pleasantly if they come out with this tomorrow. I just don't think that they're going to. And I think even Dalrymple blogged or mentioned that uh, that that there wouldn't be anything there. And it really, it does. When you look at it that way, it really does make sense, especially given that the growth in their most important uh, product line has been product lines have been not as high. This is their killer product. They, they don't want it to detract. And yeah. inside baseball, one gating factor seems to be that they like to keep these things to two hours. Right. This is not going to be some True. kind of, you know, Google event. True. Um, you know, we have to bring a, bring a diaper and a sandwich. Like this is a two hour event and it's going to be focused on, on these things. I've heard people speculate on that, that there will be a smaller, um, you know, very controlled event for this. And that, that makes a lot of sense. It's, you know, it's, it's us that, that makes it weird. I mean, <laughs> Apple knows what they're doing. It's just, we don't. I, in passing, I want to mention something um, that's really cool. This is something Stephen Hackett first posted in January of 2014 in the show notes. It's called Apple's Evolving PR Boilerplate. And Stephen, who is a, a wonderful nerd and uh, amateur historian of all things Apple. I don't know if you ever saw this, Dan. He dug back so here's the thing. When Apple does a press release, they include some, um, like many companies, have some boilerplate in there that right. describes the company. Right. And Stephen has gone through and recorded every change in at what Apple's PR boilerplate, like how they see themselves and want you to see them. He's recorded every change since April of 1995. And it's really, it's, it's very interesting to watch because sometimes it's very significant. And Stephen points out like, okay, at this point, this happens. Here's where Steve came back. Here's where they changed the name, et cetera, et cetera. But like, anyway, it's, you should all check it out if you're into this kind of stuff. Because that, that tells you a lot. At the point when they change, when they add or remove something from the PR boilerplate, that seems kind of significant, you know? So here's, here's April 1995. All right. uh, Apple Computer Incorporated, <laughs> a recognized pioneer and innovator in the information industry, creates powerful solutions based on easy-to-use personal computers, servers, peripherals, oof, software, online services, and personal digital assistance. Headquartered in Cupertino, California, Apple Computer Incorporated develops, manufactures, licenses, and markets products, technologies, and services for the business, education, consumer, scientific, and engineering, and government markets in over 140 countries. Wow, you yeah. can <laughs> you can tell that's before Steve Jobs yeah. came back. Wow. So he's got all these recorded. The latest update is from June. 2016, at which point they removed OS 10 from being mentioned, which is kind of interesting. Okay. Apple revolutionized, well, and they go to Mac OS. Apple revolutionized personal technology with the introduction of the Macintosh in 1984. Today, Apple leads the world in innovation with iPhone, iPad, Mac, Apple Watch, and Apple TV. Apple's four software pl platforms, iOS, Mac OS, Watch OS, and TV OS, provide seamless experiences across all Apple devices and empower people with breakthrough services including the App Store, Apple Music, Apple Pay, and iCloud. Apple's 100,000 employees are dedicated to making the best products on Earth and to leaving the world better than we found it. Wow, what a difference, huh? Very different. I, and it's interesting and what they how many choose years to, between that? Uh, I guess that'd be 21. No, is that right? Yeah. 21, right? To go from yeah. 95 to 16. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you get equal... Someone, I mean, obviously, it, it's important what they put first. You're not going to see Apple Watch before iPhone. You're not going to see Apple TV right. before iPad. 
But you know, that's that they clearly they see this as these products on these platforms with these services. So, I mean, who knows what that's going to look like in a year? I don't know. What are the big patterns? I mean, fewer ports, more wireless, more cloud, right? Thinner. What are, what are other, what are other big directions and what do they mean? I'm trying to think if there's anything that jumps out. And obviously it feels like they should just put out a freaking powerhouse MacBook Pro, <laughs> a substantial update to the Mac Pro and just shut everybody, including me, up for a year or two. But they must have their reasons. Well, they must have their reasons. And it's it would be frustrating to think that a company as successful and powerful and rich as Apple could would would run into something like a supply chain issue or run into something like oh well we couldn't do it because of this no there's there should be no limitations for what they can do mm-hmm. so it has to be uh it has to be intentional that's just what i feel if if they were it, you know if they're beholden to intel to get the right kind of chip okay but those chips are in crappy pc laptops right now the, the latest chips, you know what I'm saying? So it's not as simple as that. It's not as simple as saying, uh, oh yeah, we, we, we couldn't get the chips in time. Apple could have gotten the chips in time if, you know, HP could. Well, we didn't want to release a substandard product. No, there's a, there's a reason there. They're doing something. They're waiting for something. And it, it needs to be, it needs to be great. You know, it was funny. I was sitting there uh, yesterday and my daughter was sitting with me and she was looking at something on my screen, on the computer screen, and she wanted to scroll through something. So she was, you know, took, took her finger out and kind of like ran it up the screen to kind of scroll the screen like you would on an yeah. iPad. And then there was that moment where she just kind of laughed because she understood. She's like, all right. We've all done it. We've, I've, I've clicked the top of the, I've clicked the menu bar to go to the top of a web page. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like it was... It was that funny moment where neither of us really said anything, but we just shared this little moment of like, oh, right, yeah. And it's, you know, there, there's that kind of, that kind of thing for everyone who says, well, you know, the, these, these Windows machines that have the touch screens, they're, they're stupid. I don't know. I think, I still think there's something to that. I still think that, that the longer, and this is going to sound weird, but the longer Apple takes to introduce some kind of a of a MacBook with a touchscreen, and I, I know oh, this goes I, I know this goes against everything that Mac OS <laughs> is supposed to be about, and they are keeping them separate and not doing any unification. I'm sorry, once in a while it wouldn't be that bad if I just scrolled with my finger up, you know, scrolled the screen. Like I don't know. I'm not saying they're going to introduce it, but I'm I'm saying that there are times when that would be handy. Also, I know there's been a big discussion in the past about screens. People mm-hmm. have been talking about screens and getting a 4K, potentially 5K display. Right. I think that is also part of what needs to happen, I think, for them to say, you know what, these these MacBook Pros that we're going to be coming out with, they need to plug into something. And why would we come out with another product that does that is not Retina? We're not going to come out with another screen that's not Retina, and we don't want to come out with a pro-level machine that can't drive a very high-density, high-definition image. Right. That would feel like a step back. It yeah. would. So whatever laptop they come out with that they're calling a pro, 
pro people are going to want to plug that in and see 4 or 5K on their screen. Well, how do they do that? They can't really right now. So I think that that's something else I think Apple hopes to address with the, with the new machine. What about Secure Enclave and Touch ID? I mean, it seems like people kind of laugh at that, I guess. But, you know, Apple Pay is coming to yeah. Safari anyway. Yeah. Won't be on Chrome, I imagine. Right. But, um, like, what do, do you think that's part of it? I mean, that feels like a move. Oh, I'll tell you one thing, buddy. I am using the, whatever it's called, 3D Touch so much more on iOS 10. Oh, yeah. So much more. The notification screen, it's, it's so... There's so much more that... Maybe it's always been there and I've just never used it, but it's so interactive now. To be able to like pull down, you pull down, you can do this, you can snooze that. You know, you can clear all of your notifications with one 3D touch, you know, like days and days worth. Like that's that's really great. It's just those kinds of little interactions that started out. I mean, let's take it as red. There's how much stuff from the Mac is going to come to iOS at this point, probably increasingly less and less. How much stuff from iOS will come to uh, Mac OS and consequently mac computers yeah well presumably more that yeah. feels like that feels like a, an important pattern maybe that's the kind of thing where you look back and go wow there's so much stuff we're getting let alone android but like you know that's gonna that's the piper that's gonna call the tune you know yeah <laughs> is what happens so i wonder if there's more and more stuff that they're uh, ios device and software type stuff that we're gonna see on the mac that we just haven't seen yet yeah oh, i guess we'll find out well yeah. I'll, I'll be reporting from the floor tomorrow how will we you be know, able to tune into your, will you be uh, streaming it uh, with Facebook Live? Oh, yeah. I'll be uh, Facebooking on my uh, Twitch bot mm-hmm. and I'll be uh, in- Instagramming my shell script. Great. So uh, we should have full capacity. Great. Uh, it should be maybe a 220, 221. And we'll be able to do a, a deep dive on exploring all of the things that uh, they uh, decide not to give us tomorrow. Cool. That sounds yeah. good. That's going to be terrific. So I'll see you then. I'll see you. Th- yeah, I'll be there. Terrific. Let's button this up. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.